0: Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door. Having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hello guys. I come to you with a very full heart Um, tonight I'm recording this. Yes, it's very super late. I've had a super busy day. Um, but I didn't want to not record and drop an episode for you guys. Firstly, well, two reasons. I'll tell you why my heart is full in just a moment, but just on that one, many, many, many of you, after I dropped that little quiet, Oh, I'm not quite sure if I'm going to continue parenthood episodes and, I had um, quite a few of you jumping into my DMs or messaging me, going in capital letters, "Please do not stop!" And so I will not stop. I will keep going. So, uh, but the reason my heart is full, and that's by the way, that's why I'm. It's late, and even though I'm busy, I am still recording for you guys because I know you do look forward to it. But anyway, back to my heart being full. I've just come back from um, dear friends of ours who uh, go to our church and who my friend listens to this podcast. His daughter just had her year 12 formal tonight and um, and it was just so beautiful and Ashton walked her into the formal and it was so beautiful just to see everyone turning up like all of the people from our church there were so many that turned up if you want to check it out go look at my personal private Instagram which is Renee Bennett underscore I think um, and you can see them all walking into the formal and just all of the public people that were there and I just thought you know. Being in a church community, guys, oh man, there's nothing like it. There is just something so special about always having a group of people, a community of people who become like family to celebrate those moments in life. So I encourage you if you're not in a church community or if you haven't settled in one or maybe you used to, but you know you as a family don't go to church anymore, I would really encourage you guys to make that a priority. It is such... It just makes your life so incredibly rich. Anyway, guys, I'm gushing. That's when my heart's full, but that's not what we're talking about tonight. Um, And look, it's probably a bit noisy. You might hear my washing machine and my dryer going and people walking past. Um, But I've got a full house, full household tonight and uh, the washing's on because hello, just keeping it real here on Parenthood. All right. Episode 206. Um, Today, I want to talk to us about the one thing, the one thing shaping your child's destiny. So what do you guys think it is? If I were to ask you, if I could sit down in a room in front of you and go, okay, give me the one thing that you think is shaping your child's destiny. And some of you might say, well, it's definitely God. He's shaping their destiny. Um, That's if you're a Christian, or you might say the way that your parent is shaping their destiny. Or maybe you'd say, well, their career choices or their partner choices will shape their destiny. And it's a really interesting thought because those things absolutely do contribute. But there is actually one thing um that is more powerful and you might go what more powerful than god even um but there is one thing that's more powerful than all of those things helping shape their destiny and that is their conscience and uh, you this will make sense as i explain it to you but Why is it their conscience is going to shape their destiny more than anything? And that is because it is out of their conscience that they make all the decisions for their lives. So even when it comes to the God factor, yes, of course, we believe that God is guiding and shaping our kids' lives, but ultimately it still comes down to their moral conscience as to whether they're going to accept or reject God. So that's why their conscience is so powerful. Now, what do I mean by by conscience. Well, we're really just talking about that inner, that inner guiding voice. We are all guided by our inner voice, and the inner voice is guided by um, by our sense, by our values, by our marrow, mar- our moral faculty. It's the place where we decide right from wrong. And all of our decisions come out of that. And all of the important things and even the little things of life come out of that place of our conscience. And it's so fascinating to me that some of the things that are the most important in our lives are the things that we're taught about the least. So there is almost no education about developing a good moral conscience. You know, years ago, years and years ago, a lot of the kids' books that we used to read always had moral lessons in them. And now it's very hard to find books that have got moral lessons. That's why it's so good to keep old school, old fashioned books on your bookshelf. Us as parents, we're not taught how to uh, to shape our child's moral conscience. And there's certainly nothing in the education system that would teach our children that either. But there are other things that we're taught to buy into, like we give a lot of weight to giving them the best education and a plethora of extracurricular activities and after school opportunities. We focus on their brain and their happiness and them receiving every material item we can give them so they can have the best chance of life. But ultimately, as important as some of those things are, um, they're not as important as their, their moral um inner voice, their conscience, because that is, you know, the the decisions of their life, the decisions that really count in their life are not going to be based on the extracurricular opportunities that you've given them. It's going to come out of the values that you've instilled into them. So let me tell you the age to start this training, and then I'm going to give you three thoughts around how to start developing a good moral conscience in your child. So surprisingly, it's very young. We should start actively shaping their conscience at about the age of three. Now, the reason for that is, before the age of three, you're really just guiding their outward behavior because they don't have the maturity to start grasping uh, more inward concepts. So you're just guiding their outward behavior. You're you're telling them what to do. You're telling them, you know, what not to do. But after about the age of three, we can go from controlling the outward behavior to actually starting to shape their hearts. And you guys have talked ta- heard me talk about this before, about discipling your child's moral heart. And so this is where their conscience is going to come from. Their sense of right and wrong, the, the, the inner voice that's going to guide them for the rest of their life is going to come down to the way that you begin to shape their inner heart responses and attitudes. And that is something Think that should start at about the age of three and it should go um, for the next 12 to 15 years really until they're about 18. And even now, sometimes I very much feel like I'm guiding my kids in this area. So let's talk three hard facts about developing their inner conscience. The first one is this, you and me, the parents, we are the architect of our child's conscience. So in other words, we have to take responsibility because our children are not born with a conscience. They're not born with values. They're not born knowing right from wrong. Our homes are their classrooms. You mum and dad are their teachers. And I cannot stress this enough. It is up to us. We are the architects of, of their conscience, which is a huge responsibility because as they get older, it really depends on the effort that we've put in in those younger years. Now, I've had mums write in to me before about how concerned they are with their with their teenagers. Then they say to me they lie or they're deceptive or, or they're rebellious. And I find it really hard when they ask me what should they do because really I know in my heart, but I don't want to say it to them because it just sounds so brutal. But, but if your child is deceptive at the age of 12, that's because... Um, we as the parent have not taken the responsibility to shape that moral conscience when they were two, three, four, five, and six. And again, I say this all the time, what you sow into your child and the way that you shape them um, and what you put into them when they're three, four, five, you are going to reap when they're 13, 14, 15. I had a mum once writing into me, asking me for, for advice and you know, I said to her, "Your child," because she said to me, "Both of her teenagers were were um, were terribly." Um dishonest with her and would lie. And I said to her, I'm telling you that would not have happened overnight, but no matter what I said to her, she just did not want to take the advice. And in my mind, I thought, well, there you go. There's half the problem. A mum that doesn't want to take responsibility. And now the kids are passing the buck too, but our kids are not born liars. They don't, and they don't learn to lie overnight. They have been doing this in front of your eyes for years. They're not born deceptive and neither do they become deceptive overnight. So it's your and my job. I'll give you a really practical example. When Liam was little, he was a really bad sleeper. He was born a bad sleeper. He was born crying and he cried non-stop for about the next three years. Now I could have looked at him and said, oh no, my child's a terrible sleeper. And I could have blamed his age or his personality, but I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to take responsibility. My child might be a poor sleeper, but it's my job as his parent to train him into better habits. And so if I chose not to train him into better habits, then if my child, if Liam still could not sleep and still was a bad sleeper at 10 and 11 and 12, it wouldn't be fair to blame him or his personality. I should have taken, I would take responsibility for that and say, well, I didn't do my job as a parent when he was younger. Now, one way that you can know how well developed your child's conscience is, is what do they do when you're not present to guide them? that's a really good test. When they don't think you're looking or you're actually not there, um, how do they respond in different life situations? Now, your child is not always going to get it right. Of course, that's because they're children and we need to allow them to be children and make mistakes. But a child that's been raised to have a good conscience, they will fess up to you. They will want to talk to you about that. So I remember one of my boys who played a lot outside with um, one of our other neighbor boys. And he came in for dinner one night. And later on, he said to me, oh, mom, we were going up and down the road, knocking on neighbor's doors and running away. And I could tell that he was pretending to tell me like it was funny, but I knew from his face that he was like, "Uh oh, I, I don't think that was the right thing to do. And so he kind of was tentatively, you know, bringing it up. And one of the neighbor boys was actually quite naughty um, and used to sometimes influence him to do those kinds of things. But rather than me freaking out, I was like, okay, this gives me plenty of opportunity to help me train my son's conscience. And so we would talk about that. Um, But The problem is these days. The message on social media is that shame and guilt are such terrible things, and of course they can be. But a a little bit of guilt can be good because they are um, guilt can be a good guilt is is a guider of moral behaviour, and we need a little bit of that. So it's not bad for your kids to feel some guilt. Okay, so. That's the first one, okay, that their conscience is shaped by you, you're the architect, and we need to shape it um, carefully and intentionally. The second thought about developing their conscience is that a, and I think I actually just covered it a little bit then, but a properly working conscience can be observed in everyday life. Okay, And if it can be observed in everyday life, then it can also be developed in everyday life. So you don't need to wait for the big ticket items to see if your child has a good working conscience. A good conscience is instilled in our children in a thousand little ways. And when it comes to their conscience all the little things count. So we need to take note and be observant of all the little things, the little behaviors, the little responses. And similarly, every day you will be able to find examples of a not so well-trained conscience. So normally the advice is don't sweat the little things, right? Well, let's turn that around. When it comes to their conscience, I say, do sweat the little things. All the little things count. So I know for me, I don't know where I got this from, but my eyes were always trained and on the lookout. I am very surprised at the number of parents who seem to miss it when their children are behaving in such a way that... Um, that should be being dealt with by the parents, should be confronted. And I'm really surprised at the number of things that parents just, you know, especially heart issues. Um, and it's really concerning. So, you know, it's all the little things like, and I've said this example before, but if I've said to my kids, don't open your report card until you get in the car, well, it's only their conscience that's going to keep them from doing that. Or if I say, Hey, no biscuits before dinner. And then, you know, my child sneaks into the pantry quietly and takes one. Well, then I know that they've got a poorly working conscience. So they're just two little examples, but look how on the everyday little things. Um, because you're going to see it in a thousand ways, um, how your child is being guided by their conscience. Okay, so they're the first two. The third one is, um, and this is a real practical uh, key here, but we shape their, we shape their conscience by combining two things. We combine their outward, the outward behavior expectation with the why, And I've talked about this before, how it's so important to give our kids the why behind the what. Okay. So you've got to combine the instructions you're giving them or the the behavioral expectation with the why. Uh, Because if you only give them the behavioral expectation, you're only shaping their behavior. But if you give them the why, then you're teaching them um this is where you're instilling the moral part the conscience part the the value that's going to guide them if you're not there so for example if you tell a child don't pick the flowers when we go for a walk rather than just saying hey don't pick the flowers if you're going to train their conscience you would say We don't pick the flowers because that is not our garden. Can you see the difference? You know, that garden belongs to Mrs. Johns, our neighbor. So what that does is this helps our child transition from external authority to internal authority. Okay. So external authority is just them obeying us and what we tell them to do. Internal authority is them having their own um, set of values that they start to live by, so they start being becoming their own um, authority, if that makes sense. So if we go back to the flower picking example, if our child, um, if we've not been developing their moral conscience, and we've only ever been given them, <clears throat> only ever been giving them uh, external. You know commands. Then next time they walk past Mrs. John's garden, because you and you know, and you're not there. A child without a moral conscience will just go, "Well, I'm going to pick the flowers because Mum's not here to tell me off, so I'm going to pick it." But if you've been working on the why and you've explained to your child, "Well, we don't pick them because they don't belong to us. They belong to Mrs. John's," and that's then developed um, moral. Uh, a moral inner voice, then the next time that child walks past and sees the beautiful flower, they'll think to themselves, oh, I'm not going to pick that because that's the wrong thing to do because that's not mine. It belongs to Mrs. John's. So can you see the, you can see the difference there. So they don't just do something because someone with authority outside of themselves tells them to, but because their inner self-authority is growing and developing and will begin guiding them. Now, this process takes time, and this is why, as parents, our job is consistency over the long haul, because this moral conscience, like I said at the beginning, will develop from the ages of about three through to 18 and even older these days. Um, And so we have to remember that they're not always going to get it right, and sometimes it can feel exhausting as a parent, but it really, truly is worth it. So it's really about giving them moral reasons over and over again um, on all sorts of things um, in life and in their day. And when you do that, you are making lots of deposits in their moral conscience. And if you keep doing that over and over, day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out then you wonder, you know, people wonder how come, you know, my kids, all three of them, uh, they're not rebellious. They're not deceptive. They're honest. They're beautiful kids. And they're like, how did you get kids like that? Well, guys, we worked on their moral conscience, you know, um, of course, and other things um, like their relationship with God and our family values, but we worked on each of their moral consciences from the age of three. week in, week out day in, day out, month in, month out, year in, year out. It is so important. And when you start thinking of their lives this way, I promise you, you will start to see it in a thousand different ways. And what you'll also start to see is other children who are not raised this way. And there'll be so many things that their parents won't care about and you will care about them. And I know sometimes I felt like the pedantic parent, but I knew that there was a reason behind it. I wasn't really being pedantic for no reason. I was very um, determined, Cameron and I, very determined to be very intentional on absolutely everything. I mean, You name it, I can just, I can remember back, you know, we'd go to someone's house and I would say to my kids before we got out the car, when we get to the door, you need to take your shoes off and leave them by the front door because... You know, we don't want to make their house dirty, like just just absolutely everything. Or if we went to dinner somewhere, um and at someone's house um tonight, even if there's something on your plate that you don't like, you are to eat it because that shows good manners, because Mrs. So and so has cooked a meal for you. You know, all of these things contribute towards their moral training. I remember Um, dropping my kids off to kids church. And in one particular church that we used to go to a few years ago here in Queensland, and Ashton, I think by then was the only one left in kids church. The other two were a bit older. And every week, actually both churches, this used to happen, um, the kids pastor or the kids leaders would come to Cameron and I and go, your kids are like the best behaved kids in the whole youth ministry. And I'd be like, that would just blow my mind. That other kids were so poorly behaved, but because um, to me, my kids were just normally behaved. I just think the way my kids behaved was the way every everyone's kids should behave. Uh, and again, I think it comes down to all of these things being intentional in absolutely everything. I mean, you name it. Things are coming to my head now. You know, I wouldn't let my kids go screaming through the shops, through the shopping centre. Why? because it's just dang annoying for everyone else. It's not cute. And I would tell my kids that, I'll go, it's not, it's not cute guys. When you do that, it's very annoying to the other people that have come to have a quiet shopping trip. So just, we really need to be guiding our children and, and making lots and lots and lots and lots of moral conscience deposits So there you go. I hope that's helped. We've kept it to 20 minutes today. So I hope that's three good takeaways. First one being that um, we are the architects of our children's moral conscience. It's our responsibility. The second one being that you are going to see the evidence of a properly or a not properly working conscience in everyday life. And thirdly, that the way to shape it is by giving that, them that combination of the behavioral expectation, but then teaching them the why, because that's how you instill the value, the inner authority, not just the external authority. So that when you're not with them, they're going to be guided by what you've placed inside of them, not by what they're being told to do. So there you go. So thank you for joining me again. Wonderful, amazing GND tribe. I love you guys so much. Um, Have a wonderful week and I will see you next Wednesday for whatever I decide to do then. Until then, have a wonderful week. Bye.